Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live, where we discuss all the things going on in the digital revolution taking place in the world around us, which certainly over the last several months has become more complex, more profound, and much more personal uh, as our lives have changed in every way. We're delighted to have today as our guest, Oliver Schabenberger, who is the Executive Vice President, Chief Operating Officer, and Chief Technology Officer at SAS. 44-year-old world leader in analytics. Oliver, welcome to Cloud Wars Live. We're delighted to have you. Thank you for having me, Bob. Delighted to be here. Oliver, I want to ask you uh, a little bit to, uh, first I wanted to talk about customers, but I saw on um, on the SaaS website in your bio, there's a, there's a provocative quote from you. I really like this. Analytics is not just at the heart of what we do, it is the force that drives change across organizations. So you could have picked for that intro quote that said all sorts of things, and you chose this one. T tell us why that was. Well, it's the least provocative statement I've made. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, we're, you call it digital revolution, call it digital transformation. Um, you know, it is a real force, and there's a lot of hype around it. There's a lot of buzz around it in the market, but wow, did it get real? I mean, we, move, we, we you know, uh, went into 2020 thinking, you know, conversations are going to be around digital transformation and cloud, uh, open source integration of technology. And wow, has, it hasn't changed. It has accelerated. It's actually become much more urgent. You know, the things that you cannot do digitally right now are very likely not going to get done. Um, the, the business process that relies on someone signing a piece of paper by hand or picking up a, a printout from a printer and walking it down to another office or floor, they're done. You have to find a replacement for it. All of a sudden, you lost touch with your customer if it depends on, you know, a, a meeting at a physical location and you can't travel and you cannot be there or you, you, you have to close your, uh, your, your, uh, your business because of um, uh, emergency uh, um, declarations. What do you do? Um, so all of a sudden these, you know, a two year, five year, seven year plan for digital transformation gets compressed and customers asking, okay, I need it and I need it now. I need it in two weeks. I need to be, I need to be able to communicate with my customers again. Uh, I need to understand how all these things that have changed are affecting the way I have thought about the business. Um, you know, we are, uh, uh, um, of course, very active in the financial services uh, market, in the financial services industry. And imagine, you know, the, the models that have been built, you know, the forecast, for example, li liquidity of assets or um, loan defaults. How are they now impacted when we have 40 million unemployed, when nobody can travel? There's uh, such fundamental assumptions that need to be revisited and scenarios being modeled and played out on uh, what that all might mean and to to sort of the plot and to understand the the course for the for the organizations um, so it it digital transformation has really really accelerated the statement about analytics being at the heart being the driving force digital transformation is i call it liquefying all physical and analog assets they're turning into data they're turning into bits and bytes so you have to adjust your thinking and your processes and your decision-making to acting on that data. And analytics, the multidisciplinary effort to derive insight from data is of course key in that. Um, so when I talk about analytics, it's um, really, as I mentioned, multidisciplinary. It starts with um, data, data collection, data governance, data cleansing, data quality, then visualization, reporting, 
modeling, statistical modeling, time series modeling into machine learning, AI. It's really optimization, a very, very broad field. Um, today, we, we sometimes talk like analytics and AI are two different things. When a lot of conversations we have about artificial intelligence today, the, effort, the, the progress and the advantages we've seen over the last decade in AI is because it is a kind of a new form of AI driven by data. And analytics is really key in that. Um, advances in natural language processing, computer vision based on neural networks, well, it's training a neural network model to data. So we are becoming more and more data driven. So analytics is really, really at the heart of collecting the data with an outcome and then ultimately with a decision. So I can model, uh, for example, based on customer data, um, the probability that a customer in let's say insurance or in telecommunications might leave me in the next month or so. Um, now armed with that information, as I interact with the customer, what should I do? What is the decision that is driving that? So knowing that there's a, uh, uh, say a 60% probability that uh, a premature baby is at risk of sepsis in a neonatal ICU or that a customer is 70% or 80% or 30% likely to leave me in the next month. It still needs to be followed up with a decision. And so that's where analytics, actually the next phase moves into the decisioning analytics as supporting um, that the work, the work you do, um, for example, support, uh, supporting and augmenting what a customer service rep does, what an, uh, a, a physician does in the clinic. And um, it's just natural that, you know, artificial intelligence, the way we're thinking about it today, um, is an extension of analytics and is, is, um, is dependent and built on analytics and data. So yes, if, if we want to digitally transform, we have to make sense and use of the data. We have to understand what data we need to drive analytics and to drive the decisions. And I often I say that we are in sort of in, in this digital transformation, it's an evolutionary process. It's, it comes in, in phases and stages. And the first part, the first stage is to become more data driven, to allow data to help you run the business do the business you're already doing, but maybe, you know, uh, replace decisions based on gut feeling with, no, here's what the data tell us. Let's look at the evidence in the data. It's sort of, let, let me understand what's really happening. And then the next phase is, let me use that to predict what will happen, to forecast. And this is very important right now in this COVID situation, the pandemic, tell me what is happening, not just the, in the situational awareness, the first phase is, Describe what's going on. Where's the disease? What does it look like in my county, in my state, in my country, worldwide? The next question is, where we go from here? Where's it going to spread? Where's the next hotspot? How do I optimize my operations around this? How do I do health resource optimization to make sure ICU beds are at the right place at the right time? Um, and ventilators and PPE. And then prescriptive. Tell me what I should do. Okay, what are the possible scenarios that are playing out and make a recommendation. Um, we often talk when we, uh, in, in the past, when we talked about AI, the conversation shifted over the years, but yeah, it's gonna replace all the jobs. Well, that didn't happen. Now it's about, 
recognizing how automation, how algorithms, however they come about, uh, can help augment and make the things our work better, more productive, less biased, more equal. And the volume of data and is increasing so quickly right now. Digital transformation combined with increased connectivity is driving that. That we have to figure out how to automate and how to simplify these processes so that we can actually um, get on top of this um, uh, of this volume, this deluge of data. Yes, Oliver, I, that that's a great way of uh, you know explaining and giving a little more depth and insight on that that quote you had. I think there's today there's probably a lot of people who would say uh, if you ask them what drives change across organization, they could say uh, the will of the CEO, the needs and desires of the customers. That's why I thought it was compelling and uh, interesting that you said, no, it's actually analytics. You have to know what's going on, what has happened in the past, what's going on right now. And then, as you said, roll that forward to the prescriptive thing. Where do we go from here? What do we do with all the choices that are available to us? So, Oliver, in that uh, overview you gave there, you alluded to a, a few different sets of customers. But if you pull back a little bit, and as you meet with the CEOs and other C-level executives of SaaS customers, when they talk to you, what's the first thing these days that they're saying, Oliver, I need help with, what is that? Well, we are in many, many industries, you know, over 44 years, and there's a very diverse set of um, uh, industries, verticals we're working with. We're working with uh, organizations in government, with private companies, uh, public companies. So there are different, different challenges. Um, for, for many of our customers right now, it is how to accelerate digital transformation and respond to, to the changes they're, they're, they're experiencing. Um, many have been on a journey to the cloud. There has been, there's a, a, a tremendous movement in, 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 the, in, in the market. Um, just look at the, you know, the, the growth trajectories of the, of the major cloud providers. We have what I call principles of analytics that sort of guide us in the, the way we develop our playbook to, uh, you know, uh, to our relevant, um, uh, sort of our long-term path. And one of the principles is analytics follows the data. And what we're seeing right now is a growth of data in two places, in the cloud and, in the, and on the edge. Um, so at the, as, as data moves to the cloud, the analytic workloads need to move with that. So for, for many of our customers, uh, the question is, what is my transition? What is my path to a, uh, to a, in a, in a cloud-based world and to a more as a service world? Um, our customers have been with us for a long time, many of them for decades. Uh, they have very complex operations. We, we, uh, work with the largest enterprises. Um, it's not just about lifting and shifting one application. These are very complex operations, uh, many of them real-time operations that, uh, that need to stay up, that are uh, difficult to migrate and not easy to, shouldn't be interrupted. So those are complex um, uh, problems for, for, for the customers to, how do I get to turning off the key, the power? to a data center and throw away the keys, you know? Um, so what they are asking is, how do you 
as vendors, partner, and join forces to help us in that path. Uh, they do not want to talk to 20 different uh, vendors to find a solution for one, uh, uh, one movement. Um, they want us to, to join forces and work together to present um, a, compelling, a compelling path for them. And Oliver, when we come back, I want to uh, ask you, because it seems like every software company now says it's an analytics company. So I want to get your take on that. But first, just a quick word from our sponsor, BMC. In a world that's changing faster than ever before, the biggest challenge for businesses is creating fabulous customer experiences. That objective requires actionable insights and real-time agility from one end of your business to the other. At BMC, they call this the autonomous digital enterprise, and they've put together a set of solutions to help you anticipate what's coming, adjust accordingly, and acknowledge those changes from end to end. To start your journey to the autonomous digital enterprise, visit bmc.com slash ADE. So Oliver, as you said, SaaS has been doing this for 44 years. I think I met the company 20, 25 or so years ago. And a lot of the things that you're talking about today, you know, certainly in more modern context, but those similar sorts of things, the data has to be there. You've got to be able to look at it. You've got to understand where things are going. And it changes not just, I guess, in a sense, the efficiency of what a company can do a little bit faster, a little less money. You're changing really how they think about themselves, how they think about their future, and the value that they can impart right then to their customers and prospects. Um, connected to you to, to the to the previous questions and the conversations with the customers, um, a second principle of analytics is analytics is more than algorithms. That's very important. Everybody can have an algorithm. Everybody can have math that does things, that predicts things, or that classifies things, or makes a recommendation with our customers is how do I bring this to life? Digital transformation is not about technology alone. It's always a technology problem, but it's never just a technology problem. It's a technology people and process problem. So we see, you know, data science is very popular. Data science teams everywhere, uh, data lakes being built and then uh, data science teams developing clever models. These data science teams, there has been a shift. I'm no longer being measured in the number of models and algorithms they develop, but the value they drive in the business. And there is a gap between creating math and actually operating and driving the business. Let's go back to that idea you know, that of the example of the churn model I mentioned earlier. So now I have something that can predict based on, on data that's available to me, the probability that a customer will behave a certain way, for example, terminate a contract or move uh, or leave. Well, how does that now actually become, come to life, is deployed when a, a, a customer service representative interacts with you real time as you're on the website of, of that organization? That is a big gap. We call it operationalizing analytics. Some people call it the last mile. But it's incredible how much time and effort organizations spend to close that gap and how many months it takes. Sometimes it, it, it takes so long that by the time the model becomes operational, the model's outdated because consumer behavior has changed or the season has changed or something else um, ha, uh, has modified the model. And then what do you do? So you're always behind. You're always behind the eight ball on, on this. So that is what we focus on when we work, is, work with large enterprises is 
closing that gap, operationalizing analytics, understanding there is really an end-to-end -end process from data to the decision, and you have to check off all the intermediate steps. So there are a lot of organizations that say, yes, we do analytics. Well, what does that mean to you as a, as a vendor? And what does it mean to your customers to do analytics? It's not about just developing an algorithm or having a gradient boosting or a clever decision tree. It is how does that fit into the ecosystem and how does it fit into um, an organization's processes? That's very important. The conversation we more and more have is, don't tell me what infrastructure I need to buy to do X, or don't tell me what, how I have to change to accommodate your product. This is how I'm operating now, and you have to fit into this. So that means you have to have flexibility in deployment model and techniques, for example. When somebody uh, develops a clever model, this might have to run in an enterprise data warehouse, in batch, maybe once a day. This might have to go live on a real-time interaction on a website or has to be deployed in a locomotive or a uh, piece of machinery or healthcare equipment. This cannot be six, seven different development cycles. It has to be one cycle deployed everywhere, monitored and governed. Decision logic comes into being and exists for only 10 to 15 minutes because it's automated, it's generated, and it goes away, it's replaced with something else. Maybe right now it's a machine learning model and um, two days from now, a uh, combination between machine learning and business rule is the best, the most optimal way to make the decision. How would we govern that? How would we then know and audit that we're making right decisions, that we're making good decisions, that, that we are optimizing the business? Um, if, if it takes us six months to develop and manage a model, that won't work. Oliver, so, you know, what you just mentioned there about the six months to develop a model that's just not going to work. And I think uh, toward the beginning of our conversation, you mentioned that there are companies looking at a two-year, three-year, five, seven-year digital transformation project up until earlier this year. I just, you know, two-year, three-year stretch and low five or seven, that's just, that just can't happen today, right? I mean, the world's moving so fast. Uh -huh. Competitors are jumping into new markets, new areas, and consumers from the other side. And that's why sort of we call this about the digital revolution is the consumers, I think, are driving this digital transformation because their expectations about the digital lifestyles they lead are forcing businesses to then adapt to those needs. And it is just rippling throughout, you know, every sort of piece in the chain here. So, if uh, your company is able to help give the gift of speed to your customers, that's going to be an enormous advantage for them, right, in, in today's times. We have to. Uh, agility is very, very important. Uh, agility and, um, for example, one of the things we do right now is have quick start programs uh, for the questions that are really pressing in around COVID. Imagine you're in the retail industry, um, and all of a sudden you have to pivot um, from brick and mortar stores to complete online. Um, what's your demand planning look like? Mm -hmm. How do I plan assortment? How do I plan uh, uh, stock, warehouse stocking? How do I do pricing in this new world? I can't wait to figure this out for, for a year because then I'm out of business. So we provide you know, quick starts program that, that can be made available very quickly within hours or 30 minutes in the cloud and you're, you're ready to go. Prepackaged models um, and Make, just make it easy, make it, make it simple. Um, we work, for example, with the Cleveland Clinic 
um, to develop scenario analyses around epidemiological models so that you can localize work that is that has happened elsewhere to your to your situation um, that you can very quickly and visually examine what is, for example, the effect of social distancing over a shorter or longer period of time and different levels of compliance with social distancing. How will that translate into number of cases? Uh, how does a, a change in the R naught, you know, the reproduction of the virus, map into what I see in two weeks, four weeks, six weeks? None of those scenarios might be exactly true. But understanding so the envelope and the, the, the best case, worst case scenario, and, and then tracking yourself against these scenarios, that is really, really important for, uh, for decisioning. And you need this now. So we are in the transformation at SAS um, in our engineering, in our technology, in the way we deliver and deploy um, support software um, to this continuous integration, continuous delivery world. Our customers are expecting a, a different agility. And especially once you move to the cloud and you're part of a cloud ecosystem that, that, that is built around delivery about automatic updates. So if you don't have to worry about um, the infrastructure, that those things are taken care, care of. There's an expectation that our products move along with that at this at similar pace. So we internally, we are changing our uh, engineering technology to support continuous integration, continuous delivery. And if I were to start a software company today, that's base thinking, right? Yeah. But being in the business for 40 years, you have, uh, you know, you have lots of products and, and processes. And so we're digitally transforming ourselves, but it's not something you just turn on the switch and say, you know, tomorrow I'm going to do continuous integration, continuous delivery. You, you have to evolve, you have to do steps, but you, you have a North Star where you're going to go. Um, I'm proud that we are going to start uh, the, the first continuous delivery later this year with, our new, with the next release of our, of our platform. But these are, these are heavy lifts, you know, for organizations. So when, when I hear customers say that they're on a two, three, four year journey, I get it. You know, if you look at their um, a, a massive data center estate and their application estate. There are some things that will never move. Um, there are some things that will lift and shift. There were some things that will be replaced uh, uh, with similar technology and some things will be completely rewritten. Um, and so mapping this out and ex executing on this is, is, is not easy. So right now when the customers say, I can't get to my data center or you know, personnel has been furloughed, I don't have the support for this. I need to still operate it's naturally to look at the cloud, to look at as a service and to look at, you know, methods to get up quickly. Um, and for those who have already migrated some of their work to the cloud, the transition to working from home is probably easier uh, because it was just working. And I think that's also an important learning in, uh, as we go through this pandemic, um, all the things that we can do that, um, we previously might have set up, set us up for resilience that we're now, you know, drawing strength from. And so the, 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 um, the, the, the transition of um, enterprises to the cloud is not stoppable. Um, what we're seeing the need for is more enterprise level solutions, you know, solving business problems in the, in the cloud world. And I think SaaS were very well positioned because the uh, business solutions has always been one of our core strengths. 
You know, Oliver, <clears throat> as you mentioned that about the the cloud, the the company that I think is has been the top uh, enterprise cloud player in the world, Microsoft. I know you've reached, recently signed a, a deal with them, but <clears throat> I think for a while there were a lot of people that right. You know, we, we brought our own. The tech industry has been so good at like bringing its model. You said a few minutes ago, you've got customers who are saying, hey, don't force me to jump through your hoops as a tech vendor, make my world simpler. And we've, uh, in some ways the cloud, I think we wanted everything in the tech industry to say, there's the S software as a service over here, platform here, infrastructure here, but more and more, all those pieces are getting jumbled together because the customers are taking control and saying, look, you can have whatever four letter acronyms you want. This is what I need. And I'm going to find the company that is going to deliver via cloud technology this to me. I think it's a very welcome transformation. So I wonder if you talk a little bit about both if you have any thoughts on that, but also what does the partnership with Microsoft that SAS recently formed, what does that do for you and for your customers? Yeah, well, we, every, everything is becoming much more value and outcome driven. Yeah. I have a problem, provide me the solutions, don't send me bits and bytes. Yeah. Um, so we're seeing a blending of software and services. I think one of our strengths is, and it's a real need in, in if, if, you, if you deal with um, enterprise class problems, it's a combination of technology and domain expertise. Uh, when our customers reached out at the, at, at the beginning of the year and they said, I need to know where is the pandemic, how, where is this going? You don't just have algorithms. You need epidemiologists, you need clinicians, and you need the analytic experts. So working in those industries, you have to bring the domain expertise. You have to speak the language of that business. Uh, that is, that's very important. Um, and that, that's something that, that we've built um, we uh, have domain experts, you know, in, in for example, in, in modeling credit card fraud. Yes, there is, there are neural networks behind there somewhere and, and, and machine learning models have been for decades. But these models are not developed by just throwing algorithms at massive amounts of data and looking away. They are developed by experts of the domain, knowing the particulars of the industry, particular fraudulent behavior, but particulars of debit and credit card transactions. So the partnership with Microsoft is uh, very, very important. It's a strategic partnership for the two companies and it's really a better together story. When we met, we realized there is incredible potential in digital transformation and what we call the democratization of technology. And at SAS, we've, we've leaned in very hard on the democratization of analytics over the decades. Um, I strongly believe that we are all going to be consumer of data and analytics, but we, we cannot all be data scientists. Um, having advanced degrees cannot be the, uh, the barrier to being able to take advantage of analytics, the advantage of artificial intelligence, of machine learning. So how do you, we're hearing this from our customers. There is a skill gap. I don't know where to find the talent to do all that work. Um, and I don't need, I, I, I'm, I'm not sure how to deal with the, all the data challenges that I have. Do I have to write data? Where does it come from? So we need to help them get over those barriers. So there's a number of ways we do this. We can simplify, we can train, we can automate, but just think about training in itself. The, 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 the natural response would be, okay, let's train more data scientists. Let's train more people at the upper skill level. Well, there's also the, well, how about if we take the 
this, the skill requirement, bring it down so that everyone can contribute. So a business analyst can build a model. Business analysts can deploy this model, monitor this model, govern this model, and make sure we have the safeguards in place to make sure this is just as, or almost as high quality as what a trained data scientist produced. The other side of training is, we have spent an enormous amount of money with technology literate people. We train people to understand technology, to explain it to us, to implement it for us, to run it for us. What about if we train the technology to become more people literate? Gartner calls this a shift from technology literate people to people literate technology. And we're seeing that. We're seeing this in um, technology that processes natural language, that computer vision that interacts with us uh, uh, more smartly. That's just the beginning. So I'm imagining if everyone can build technology, not just consume technology, so the citizen data scientists, the citizen application developer, they are, they are examples of that. Um, Microsoft's mission is to empower every person and every organization on the planet to do more. Our vision is to transform a world of data into a world of intelligence um, through human curiosity. We are looking at it the same way, democratization, empowerment of technology, democratization, empowerment of analytics. And now with digital transformation, as we just explored, analytics is such a key piece at the heart of it. Um, so that, that was a very natural connection that we, that we made about our vision of where, where, this can, where this can lead. I see analytics as being core and the SaaS engines being core at a lot of the business processes that, that, uh, and, and the applications that uh, in the future, Microsoft is a wonderful estate with Dynamics and Power Platform, you know, to drive the, the citizen application of uh, citizen business applications. That's a massive opportunity. And what was innovative about the partnership, it's that's not about just integrating into Synapse or in a Azure Data Lake Gen 2. It is about the entire Microsoft Cloud estate, you know, from Microsoft Azure, Synapse, Dynamics, Power Platform. Some of the things are very well worked out that we're doing together. Um, near term. Other things are more exploratory and we commit ourselves to walk this walk together. But that's what really excites me about the, the partnership. It's that the shared long-term vision of what artificial intelligence, machine learning, and digital transformation can be like. I'm thinking of it as um, building an operating system. We have, you know, you have Microsoft DOS, you have Linux, you have operating system to operate on a machine. We have cloud now, the operating system for IAS and, P and platform as a service. How about the operating system for digital transformation? So that any organization that wants to participate in this and wants to get quickly up uh, and transform their businesses, that the tools, the services, the products are there. Um, and so I'm very, very excited about, uh, about this opportunity and, 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 and this relationship. Oliver, one other thing I wanted to be sure to ask you about was, um, you know, your, your company's been around for decades. You know, you've done some remarkable things. You've got a proud history, a proud legacy. You've got then now a lot of competitors saying, we've got to get more into the data and analytics business. So you've got to continue to bring, you know, fantastic new talent into your company. Can you talk a little bit about that? Like, where the, the, the types of skills, the type of people you're looking for, and is there a change in the perspective of some of these younger people who've grown up digital as they enter SaaS? 
Um, wh well, what we see is a different relationship with employers now than my generation, for example. Um, uh, we have, compared to, uh, to other parts of the tech industry, we have very low turnover at SAS. Uh, we pride ourselves at the longevity of our employees. And that's very, very important. Uh, if you're in a highly technical space, I came from academia with a PhD um, to develop a specific class of algorithms for SAS. You know, the company was looking for the methodological expertise and experience mm -hmm. to drive this. Um, so that's talent that's very difficult to replace. You know, um, but we also seeing, so I came in, to SAS with the view of a long-term relationship. And I've been here for 18 years. Um, I'm on my sixth career at SAS, you know, came in as a software developer with, that's all I want to do. I want to write code. I loved it, loved it, loved it. And, you know, over the years, um, transitioned into different roles now, you know, COO and CTO and don't code much anymore. <laughs> you miss it? Uh, it was February 11th, 2016, when I wrote my last lines of code. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I put a LinkedIn blog about it, out about it. I knew that date and I, I, I realized I just cannot, you know, write code at the, at the level and the intensity that I wanted to with combined with other responsibilities, but that's okay. You know? Um, so what I see is that the relationships are slightly different. It's more, okay, I'm here. I have goals, the near term goals, and this might be in three to five years. Maybe I want to be working for a startup or I want to be, you know, start my own company, um, or I want to be in a different place in the company. So it's what can you do, employer, to help me achieve my goals, and what can I do then uh, to help you achieve your goal? It's more a tour of duty, if you will. Mm -hmm. So when uh, employees come in, they want to know also, in, in, for example, in engineering, that they work with the tools, that they work with the languages, that they work with technology, that helps them, makes them more marketable. And it helps them in the future. So for part of our, uh, our move to continuous integration and continuous delivery is also to be an attractive place for young software developers to come and hone their skills and contribute um, so that they uh, work, with, work in, a, in, in an environment that is tech, uh, from a development experience competitive and, and interesting to them. Um, so they can uh, increase their marketability. Um, we are very much also focused on increasing domain expertise, uh, uh, value-based and outcome-based um, selling requires you to have uh, expertise in the right places. Uh, for example, if we talk with a, with, a, with a grocer or with a retailer, we have people from the retail industry um, the leaders of the, the lines of businesses come, were coming, uh, came from, from those industries. They know exactly what it's like to operate a retail business. They know it, what it's like to be a SaaS customer in the retail business. And so um, that, is, that talent is sometimes difficult to find, right? You have combined analytics with the domain expertise. And um, um, we also um, are working very hard to retain that talent. So we're, we're a place that is good, great to work with, great to work at, and take a lot of pride in our culture. I can I want to briefly mention that you know we are a private company, one of the largest private software companies in the world, um, and with this comes a lot of benefits. Um, 
for example, right now and doing the doing the pandemic, it allows us to do things the way we say is right. Um, uh, we decided there will be no furloughs or layoffs uh, because of the pandemic. That's it, and we did. And those are decisions that the you know Dr. Goodnight, the CEO and founder, uh, he can make and he he will make. And thus we do the right thing for the employees because it's the right thing to do. And I love this about SaaS uh, that we think about the company and our employees this way, and our customers this way, and our partners this way, uh, and. Um, that will never change. And Oliver, thanks. Uh, and if I could ask you one last thing. So your company founded in 1976, grew up, became, you know, globally prominent in the on-premises world. And you're now, you know, clearly moving to the cloud. Are you, is SaaS where you want it to be in its evolution to the cloud right now? Um, we have operated our own cloud business for two decades. Um, we have uh, we have many 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 customers in our enterprise hosting business and a managed application services business. Um, that is a core part of our business, and um, the majority of our business is still on premises. And but this is that is moving, and so we're moving with our customers. Um, are we where we need to be? Um, in some ways, yes. In some ways, we may be a little bit behind. In some ways, we're, we're ahead. Uh, for example, in, uh, we are making um, our shift to complete containerization, orchestration with Kubernetes of our via platform. A lot of software companies would say, well, that's obvious. You know, you should be running this way. Running enterprise analytic workloads this way it's maybe not the same as you know running a, a, a small batch job that are not very data intensive. So I think we're leading this trend, that transformation. While we maybe, it might, while it might look late to the, be the, uh, part of the containerization uh, conversation, we also wanna make sure that we do this right. And we can service those, those complex customer deployments uh, well, and that we're ready as a company to support our customers this way. This is not about just throwing technology over the, uh, over the fence. This is about main, uh, keeping those customers happy and running and innovation, innovative. Um, Customer-driven innovation has two aspects. We innovate so our customers can innovate. And we listen to our customers to, to drive our innovation. If I look at the big changes, the technology changes we've gone through. And had we not gone through, we wouldn't be here after 44 years. That's part of the secret of SaaS, the ability to in, re, reinvent and transform. They've been driven by customer needs. We're not telling our customers, you have to go to the cloud. Telling us, we're moving. SaaS, where are you? How do you, how do you fit in? Um, so in, in a way, we're moving with our customers, but then we also want to take the opportunity to help lead and to help make that transition, whatever that transition, whatever it was from the mainframe to the PC, from the PC to the grid computing, from the grid to the cloud, to the edge, that we are positioning ourselves well ahead of the pack in, in, with our technology. And I think if you look at um, you know, the analyst reviews and where we fit in, the, in waves and quadrants, it, uh, the, evidence is, the evidence is there that we do some of this right. 
Well, absolutely, Oliver. Thank you. <clears throat> thank you so much for making the time here to uh, share some of your ideas about what's going on with your customers, where your company's heading, and uh, you know what's sort of going on in this crazy world we find ourselves in today. Uh, it's a pleasure talking to you, Bob. Thanks for having me. And thanks to all of you for being with us here at Cloud Wars Live. I hope you're doing well. Hang in there. Uh, good days, better days are ahead of us, and uh, we'll see you next time.